Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicalist. Today, my friends, is Book Book Wednesday. When you tell your friends about Book Book Wednesday, you're really going to want to hit those Bs both in Book and Book Wednesday. Doing something that uh, I have enjoyed doing for the reason that it is logical, uh, it saves time, Probably logical is one of the main reasons that I like doing it, and that is the pre-recording of a opening. Uh, it makes sense for the reason that here in Canada, during the winter months, it gets dark earlier than normal. Right now it's pretty bright, but by the time I get home it will be too dark to read my notes. So, since uh, I think it's very important on a book of Wednesday, uh, I need those notes to be coherent. I'm just going to record the, uh, the old opening here. The other reason that it makes sense on a day like today is that the weather outside is frightful. Right now, roads are okay, uh, still bright, as I say, and not too, too bad. But, been shit all day, and snow drifts, likely blizzard whiteout conditions on and off all day. Really, really weird today, and I don't know why I'm giving a weather report on a podcast probably at least a couple of weeks before it's going to be posted. Doesn't make sense to do it, but I'm doing it nonetheless, because some of the whiteout blizzard conditions happened when it was sunny, which is goddamn bizarre. Have you ever seen a sunny day where it's a whiteout blizzard? It's painful on the eyes. Like Everything's just super, super bright. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I can't recall if I've ever really seen anything like that. Very strange. Okay, so, where was I? Yes, where I was was saying, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. <laughs> no, 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 no. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes as that is what helps other people find this podcast. Mostly the passing it on directly to them and saying, hey, listen to this, but the rating and commenting helps strangers. And it's nice to be nice to the strangers. Huh? 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 Uh, another thing I like to say, and uh, I do believe fairly important on a book Wednesday, for that rhyme, may have, I don't know, is that uh, there will be spoilers. Probably a lot of spoilers. I do not make the attempt to censor myself on any days, Book Wednesdays in particular, for the reason that that would be harder to talk about the book without spoiling it. And as I say to all you kiddies out there listening, if work is hard, don't do it. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business which is today's sponsor, which is the Deathwalker Cadaver Cardio Workout Regime. Once again, today's sponsor is the Deathwalker Cadaver Cardio Workout Regime. Thank you to that for sponsoring this episode, this Book of Bo Wednesday episode, in which I will be talking about the legend of Deathwalker. 
Deathwalker. That's two takes I give you there. I give you both Deathwalker and Deathwalker. Which do you prefer? This is by Mr. David Gamble. It is book number within the Drenay series, or Drenay Saga, if you prefer. And what is going to happen now is, from your point of view, it will be seconds after this transition that I will start talking of the book. For me, it will be many, many hours in which sleeping and eating will be involved, and maybe a little of the old making love. You never know. Probably not, though. Probably not, though. Uh. Transition button being pressed now. Transition. Whoa, where am I? I feel like I'm... I was in some sort of transition limbo where no time was passed at all. What? That is bizarre. Well, I suppose the only thing I can do is go on with the show by talking about Deathwalker. Specifically, the legend of Deathwalker. Deathwalker is the nadir name. The nadir are tribal peoples within this universe. Is the nadir name for Dress the Legend. Yeah, Dress the Legend, who you may know, from several of the books within the Drenay saga that I have brought back and talked about and hopefully you have read along with. If you have read these books, I want to know you. So, please, audience participation, why don't we tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood, or perhaps even email me to the address provided in the closing credits. I would love to hear from you. This book takes place... Uh, an undisclosed amount of years after the events of Dress's adventure in which he saved his wife, in which uh, he is heading to the land of the Gothir people to participate in a tournament of some sort. He was actually not supposed to participate. However, he had some uh, some harsh words with someone who was participating, and sort of, it's not gladiatorial in that uh, they didn't have swords, more wrestly, boxing-y, just beating the shit out of each other E. Uh, so the guy who was supposed to participate, he uh, beat the shit out of, so he felt bad and said, well, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll take his spot. That's kind of how we get to where we are. He eventually reaches the point where he's supposed to battle um, the Gothir's most prominent fighter, a man by the name of Clay. This fight does not happen for the reason that Dress is on the way out of a tavern and is ambushed. Oh no. Ambushed uh, under the auspices of the crazy emperor of the Gothir people. If I do recall, I actually didn't write that down, but I think that's what it was. And it's sort of the reasoning is they want their person to come on, come out on top. So kind of a, a strange way of going about it, I suppose. But hey, what are you going to do? Now, Clay is there at this time for the reason that uh, they've sort of developed a mutual respect and admiration and a almost brotherhood between the two of them, because they are very, very alike. The sort of giant men among men, um, kicking ass, taking names, but doing it for righteous causes, and being just and honorable. So they both sort of see that within one of 
within one another and become buddies, become pals. So when Clay takes a crossbow bolt that was meant meant for Druss, Druss is, of course, pretty upset about this. In fact, very upset about this. He would do anything to try to save his brother, include try to save his 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 pal, his amigo, including going out to the desert and going to a shrine and getting healing stones and bringing them back. That doesn't sound too too bad. You you go, you bring lots of water, maybe you get yourself a camel, you get some stones, you bring them back, you heal your pal, right? Well, that would have been a short and boring book if that was the case, so that is not what happens. Uh, he and his traveling companion, Sibian, 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 I, I call him Sibian, like the sexual device for women, because uh, it's not spelled the same, but you can pronounce it that way. Anyways, he is a poet, and is aware of it, who has sort of turned Dress's exploits into the things of legends through his sagas and poets, poets, poems. He's going to uh, accompany Dress. What they don't know is that the evil emperor of these Gothir people, who is insane. Did I mention he's insane? It's good to know when your emperor is insane. I feel like that is a that is something you should be aware of. He sends 2,000 warriors out for a couple of reasons. One of which is to uh, capture, kill Russ. Another is that he has heard also of the stones within the shrine and wants them for himself. Mm, baby. So luckily, uh, Druss and Sibian uh-huh, make it relatively unscathed to this temple before the army does. There's some trials and tribulations along the way, of course, and they come across and have to fight some of these nadir people for the reason that the nadir are they're tribal, they're nomadic, there's groups within groups within groups that sort of don't get along with one another. It's one of those ideas, and this is touched on in a couple of the books within the series, one of those ideas that because they are tribal, they are kind of no threat to anyone else. They would only ever be a threat if all the tribes gathered together under one banner, and then they could quite easily wipe everyone else off the face of the earth. <laughs> that kind of idea. So you don't want that to happen. However, uh, they have a shaman, and it's been in their prophecies for a long time that this shaman is just verifying that uh, there is coming a time where one will unite all the tribes, a.k.a. the uniter. He will have purple eyes. Purple eyes. That's how you will know it is him. Cool beans. Uh, and the jewels have something to do with that. We're, we're not 100% sure what yet, but uh, they're involved somehow. You can guarantee it. So guarding this shrine is four separate tribes. 50 people per tribe. So that's 200 people. Hmm. That's math. This is sort of the one area and one area only in which war will not break out just because this shrine is sort of the most sacred area for all the Nadir people. So to shed blood would bring great dishonor, yada, yada, yada. They're kind of um, Klingon-like in their in their honor and fighting abilities and prowesses. A little bit, a little bit. I could see the the uh, I could see the Klingon in them. So, who is going to lead these four bands? Well, none other than a man by the name of Talisman. Talisman, 
which is a strange name, even among his own people, has, for sort of political reasons, been uh, trained by the Gothier people to lead and um, to wage war as they do. So he sort of knows all of their tactics and what it means to bring a fighting force together and have them win and hold a besieged, usually besieged city, although I guess in this time, this case it's not a city, it's just a uh, shrine and a wall, a shittily built wall around said shrine. So this sets it up for what sort of, for me, the main book is about, and that is 200 or so men holding a, uh, let's just say, a building, a walled building, against all odds, against 2,000 men. Just sort of on that note, I should say, and I mentioned this, I think, every time I've spoken of David Gemmel and his writing prowess, is that he does uh, besieger and besieged probably better than anyone I have ever read. He just really, really makes you feel like you are a member of this, this fighting force trying to hold out against unsurmountable odds. And uh, it's just a really, really good... And I really, really like it. The Nadir, they're warrior people, so they have that going for them. The Gothir are within a desert, so that's not good for them, for the reason that uh, the Nadir have done some sort of guerrilla warfare tactics and busted up a lot of their water drums. The Gothir can't just sit around and wait for something to happen. They have to sort of act and act now before they run out of water. Which is not in a, which is not a position you want to be in when you are attacking a defended position, right? Right. Uh, something else that the Nadir have going for them is that Sibian, poet extraordinaire, uh, apparently has a little of the old detective in him and manages to find these jewels. Yeah, he doesn't tell anyone right away because he knows the Nadir would uh, either take them or kill him and take them. And he, and therefore Dross, need these jewels to save Clay back in the uh, city. So he doesn't want to give them up. However, what he does do is use them to heal people who are hurt every day during these battles that happen over the course of, uh, what is it, three days, four days? Anyways, it's quite a few days of fighting and quite a few battles. So whenever someone is injured, they'll take them to the sort of little hospital area he has set up, infirmary, I believe you would call it, and uh, he has told them he's a surgeon, however, he's just using these jewels to heal everyone. Cool beans. Also sort of present within this besieged shrine is who is prophesied to be the mother of the Uniter. Hmm, interesting, interesting. What part will that play, you might ask? And probably the sort of number one thing that the Nadir have going for them is the fact that Dress is there. Dress is a goddamn one-man army and onto himself, and uh, it's quite a thing to behold him in action. When I say behold, I mean read about and then picture it in my brain, because that is what reading books is. Uh-huh. He and Talisman actually had a bit of a run-in uh, back in the city, where Dress ended up saving him from sort of a band of thieves. A little bit saving. He, he probably could have got out of it, but 
was unused to cities. He's more used to the countryside, so. There was a whole section here that felt kind of strange that it was in, just because it's, I don't think, necessarily had to be part of the book. It added a little bit of that fantasy mysticism that uh, I suppose is nice to have in your book, but kind of felt a little tacked on. And that was a long dead, uh, let's just call them prince and princess, that may not be 100% accurate, but that's what I'm going to say for the purposes of our talk. A long dead prince and princess needed, wanted, desired to be reunited. The princess ended up possessing the eventual mother of the uniter, and we cannot have that. The prince has been searching the underworld for her for years, thousands of years. So, in order to reunite them, we, and when I say we, I mean Dross and Talisman and um, a bunch of super powerful ghost people mm -hmm. have to travel to the underworld to basically bring them together, rescue the princess, give on to the prince, and uh, it's it's almost has a feel of a battle of the mind, because it's not happening in real life, their bodies are sort of just there, whereas they are fighting in the underworld. So yeah, uh, kind of strange that it was there, but uh, I didn't mind it. If it wasn't there, I wouldn't have lost sleep, but it was there, so what the hell. You know what, one thing it did do was allow them to have a point in the novel where the Nadir are about to be overrun by the Gothir. <laughs> it was sort of that final all-out attack where there's no way they could have held the walls against such a giant force all at once. So what happens is the princess that they reunited shows up in her sort of ghostly sorcery form and shoots a shit ton of lightning bolts into the, uh, the bad guys and blows them all to high heaven. Holy shit. So uh, I suppose that's the reason that they did that part, is just to have that little bit of mysticism save the day at the end. Which, uh, yeah, okay. Okay. I I'm leaning more towards maybe it was warranted to, to have that section. That was the final battle. Yeah, those things. They uh, won, basically. Basically in the sense that the crazy emperor was at this point... Uh, killed because he was crazy. So they called off the attack on the shrine because everyone who was sane realized it's not a good idea to attack the Nadir people's most important holy relic for the reason that it could unite them. And as I say, uniting the Nadir is not good for anyone but the Nadir. Sibian and Dross leave at this point. Take the jewels, take the jewels and head back to the city to save Clay with them. Uh, they get back and he died. Yeah, died like right after they left, which to me was very, very surprising. I, I did not see that coming. For that reason, I liked it. Uh, I like to be kind of shocked from events within a book. It pleases me. It saddens me because uh, this was a good guy, but um, it was kind of that little not everything can always work out for Dross, despite the fact that he is the quote-unquote legend and basically unstoppable in a killing machine. It can't always work out 100% for him. So a little bit of reality splashed like cold water onto his visage. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we cut to Sibian bringing the jewels back to Talisman. 
for the reason that he made the promise that he would. Good on him, keeping your promises. Talisman knows that these jewels are what are keeping his people sort of in the Dark Ages for the reason that all the... I don't know how to... I, I suppose I could just boil this down and it won't be 100% accurate. All the goodness, all the nature, all the mojo... Yeah, let's say mojo. All the mojo of the native people was locked up in these gems. It made the gems incredibly powerful, but it made the land incredibly weak. So, what does he do? Despite the shaman freaking out and saying, no, don't do that, we could take over the world with these gems, he busts them up. He busts them up. In the act of busting them up, the magic released flows back into the land, flows back into the land, and in the process, I guess some of it flows into his eyes a little bit. Huh? 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 It turns them purple. Turns them purple. Meaning that Talisman, this whole time, has been, in fact, the Uniter. What? That is crazy. Uh, another thing I did not see coming. Yeah, I didn't see that coming at all. Co very cool for the fact that uh, he then sort of takes his nadir name, which is Ulrich, which, if you know from book number one in this series, is the name of the nadir uh, emperor, war chief, whatever you want to call him, who invaded the Drenay lands, who fought Druss. Yeah, that guy. So very, very cool sort of come full circle, bringing things around and tying everything together. This was a very good book. Uh, I liked it much. This whole, this whole series, nothing but fours and fives as far as ratings so far. The series as a whole definitely go five so far. Um, this book, I think I'm going to go five. Yeah, I think I am. There was a moment where I thought maybe I'll go four, but no, I'm going to go five. So there you go, folks. That was a Book Wednesday in which I had fun and presumably, hopefully, possibly, maybe, I don't know, some of that fun translated over to you, the listener. That is my greatest desire. My other desire is to say something at the end of this, which is now that I always say, which is, oh boy, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper